Hi, this is Angie, host of the Nature Nurtured podcast. I have found that when I head outdoors with something on my mind and talk it out to the great wide world, spirit listens and often offers some pretty great advice. I invite you to join me today. We can move our bodies, soak in the amazingness of mama nature, and maybe even experience a little healing. My hope is that you take this conversation, find your own truths, remember who you are, and take that next leap on your own healing journey. Hello everyone, this is Angie, host of the Nature Nurtured podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today in this conversation about astrology. And I am the first to say I am not an astrology expert in any way. This episode really is just bringing the basics. And really, these are the things that I have found to be very useful in my day-to-day life and also just... um, the things that I have found to be helpful to look for to kind of give me a heads up or kind of a theme for some longer term things that are happening in my world. So these are the things I have found helpful. I hope that you are able to take this information and look into your chart and also find some validity and also just some guidance by using the things that I talk about today. Uh, You will hear me have some missteps here and there in this one. It was super hot the day I was recording this and I think I was just trying to like survive the sun and the sweat that was pouring down me. So I will blame it on that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I do do make a couple mistakes, but I do catch them. Um, So if I start to say something and you know enough about astrology to be like, wait a second, that's not right. I do catch it and I, and I do fix it. Um, but you'll hear that in this episode. I was not going to go back and edit that out or, you know, try to re-record that just because of those couple little things. I mean, I think there was just the couple, um, anyways, those are the ones I caught. So I guess if there's something in there that you know more about astrology than I do, and it was wrong, I mean, let me know. And I will, I will address that in a later episode because I think everything else is good. Um, but anyway, yeah, I wasn't going to edit that out. Um, it is totally cool for you guys to see me being human and making mistakes. So it's all good. Um, so yes, we're going to talk about astrology today. And before we dive in, I did want to thank, um, bad Beck who left a review recently and they said this podcast is so fun to listen to. It's almost like you're walking right by her side out in nature. There are some deep topics, but I love it. I learned something from every podcast and Angie talks about a lot of subjects and that I've always been curious about. I like how she references books and ways to get her, she gets her information. Some topics I have wanted to dive deeper into, see what I find out by using some of her resources or some of her sources. So anyway, thank you, Bad Beck, for taking the time to leave that review. I appreciate it so much. Thank you to those who have, who have left reviews in the past, those who have clicked on the five stars to leave a rating, those who subscribe or follow this podcast. It does help a lot. It helps other people find me. That really is why I talk about it at all. It really isn't for an ego stroke for myself. Um, I just figure while I'm putting this content out, 
I might as well have as many people hear it as they can and so that they can benefit from it as well. So thank you again to all of you who have done those things. It means a lot. It helps this podcast a lot. And I guess we will go ahead and with that, um, we'll just dive right into today's episode. As we get into the topic of astrology today, I think it is important to first say that really astrology, for me anyway, it's all about finding the patterns and the cycles and noticing how they affect me on an individual level. And then, of course, you can look out to broader and broader arenas until you get to globally how certain things that are happening in the sky affect all of us. And usually everybody's affected differently, but I think the whole thing behind astrology is noticing the patterns, noticing the ways that people feel and act during certain transits or things that are happening in the sky. And looking for patterns is something that our brains love to do. We are constantly looking for patterns and as a way to like rationalize what's happening around us. So on a minute level, I guess you could say, we are always looking for patterns in our bodies. We, we've learned how to live day to day by these patterns. And we notice signs that our body gives us that mean certain things. Maybe it's about foods we eat or how much sleep we need or, and also relationships, how we interact with other people, um, how we tend to be drawn to certain kinds of people and kind of repelled from other kinds of people. It's, it's all about noticing what's going on, interpreting the data and making decisions. So we do it on a body level. We do it with people. Um, we notice patterns in nature as in we're, we always notice the seasons, what's going on, especially in a place where the seasons are so stark. I mean, I think even in places that are more temperate in temperature, there's always the wet and dry seasons. And if not seasons so much. I mean, obviously we have patterns and cycles within our day and within our months with the moon and the sun as well. So patterns are everywhere. And so why not also looking out even farther outside of earth, outside of our bodies, outside of people, on a day-to-day basis and look out into our solar system. For some reason, we're all making this journey around the sun together, all the planets. And then, you know, the asteroids also have their own way that they move around the sun. And it's not chaotic. There's There's a way that it happens and it stays the same. And we we've noticed over time that certain placements, certain things that are happening in the sky point towards certain ways that humans behave. And whether that's on an individual level or on a more global scale, we've started to notice this. And 
I think looking at it in a simpler term, something that we can really grasp right now, I think people do notice that the moon does have an effect on people. I mean, if you ask any teacher or anybody in the medical field or anybody that is in law enforcement, they probably have noticed on a full moon, there's going to be more activity. Kids are going to be wild at school. Doctors and nurses are going to get more patients coming in because of whatever reason. And police officers are probably going to have more reports of incidences because of people's behavior that is affected by the moon. So we've noticed that. And I think most people can kind of look at that in their daily life and and become aware of that if they pay attention to it. Or maybe they're in one of those fields and have noticed it with other people. So the moon affects us. I mean, and people who think that that's kind of crazy, but And if you maybe haven't been able to relate to any of those situations, I mean, if you think about the moon does affect the earth, it it affects the oceans and the tides and our bodies, our human bodies are also made up of mostly water. And so I'm sure that it does have an effect on us. How could it not is kind of how I look at it. So, so yeah. Just that's that's why I kind of buy into the astrology stuff. It's like, how could it not affect us? And how could it not? I mean, because it is predictable. There are predictable cycles. You can even down to like the retrogrades. I mean, people know when the planets appear to be going backwards. They just appear that way. They're not really moving backwards. Everything moves in order around the sun. And it has since who knows when. And people have been paying attention to this for a really long time. I think when I looked it up, because I wasn't sure, I knew it had been a long time, but I didn't know the exact. And it it's well over 2,000 years. I think I saw something that said like 2,400 years. I think that whenever the first telescope, and I think it was like Babylonians before the Egyptians, they were looking at the sky and taking note of what was happening. And thank goodness that they did because that has given, I mean, as people continue to do so, that gave us data because it's not so much looking forward, it's looking back. It's looking back to find the patterns and notice what was happening during those times. That's how astrology really is working. And if you can look back, you can then assume that patterns repeat. So I think that's kind of the idea behind it. And like I said, people have been doing it for thousands of years. And I mean, royalty for a long, long time, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, they would call in the royal astrologer and they made decisions based on what the astrologer said. If it was a good time to be doing things or if it was not, it was not such a great time and maybe wait a couple months or wait a year to make these big decisions or changes. But they did value what the astrologer had to say. So I think that is interesting to note. And even more recently, um, presidents of the United States have had astrologers come into the the White House and give advice on when would be the best time. Because the idea is, is if there are patterns that we can note and we can watch, 
And we can see where this might be kind of an uphill battle, but if we wait a couple months, it's going to be easier and more streamlined. Why fight the uphill battle? I think is the idea. I think if you can learn to go with the astrology and not fight against it, it makes life easier. And that's another reason why I have really taken it more into my life in the in the past years. I went from just kind of knowing my sun sign to paying attention and listening to people who are experts on it. I am not. I am very much in the very beginning learning phases of astrology. I am interested in it. If I had all the time in the world, I would find a teacher and I would learn more and more and more all the time. Like I I really feel like there's a lot of value in that and helping other people look into their astrology and just kind of being aware of what's happening in the sky day to day. But I don't have all the time in the world. And so you know, that that's a long-term goal is to just kind of slowly um, be self-taught until maybe I do get to a, a place where I can put more time into it. But I do have several podcasts that I listen to that are amazing astrologers. I follow them on social media and I will definitely put those in the show notes because, I mean, they're not probably for everybody, but um, they all have different personalities and they all present the information a little bit differently. But um, I, I find them interesting. And I and that's the other thing is I do like to listen to more than one person because they do have slightly different takes. And it's interesting to see because it is up to human interpretation as well. The patterns are there. Everybody agrees upon what's happening. But it's nuanced per astrologer on how they specifically interpret that. So there are wide themes that are obvious that everybody's going to agree upon but then like when you get into the details it kind of changes a little bit and I think that's very interesting to get more than one opinion on what is going on so anyway like I was saying people have used astrologers for a very very long time and they okay so and if you look at these patterns in the sky historically you can see like the fall of empires happen at certain ways that the certain ways that the planets are aligned in the sky. So like Pluto. Pluto really likes to shake things up and help things transform and and kind of die and be reborn. And so a lot it can be said about the the fall of an empire during a certain Pluto trans or thing thing that happens with Pluto in the sky, and in fact, the United States. And I think I men- mentioned this in a previous episode that the United States is currently in its Pluto return, meaning that Pluto takes about two hundred and fifty years to go all the way around the sun, and that we are right now at the same point with Pluto that we were 250 years ago, which if you look in history, that was the Revolutionary War here in the United States. It is the time where we decided that we were going to break free from England or Great Britain and become our own country. And so it's it, there's a revolutionary 
flavor in the air right now. And you can see that. We can see that playing out. Does that mean that there's going to be another, like a war? No, that doesn't, nobody can predict exactly how it plays out. It just, that's the vibe. The vibe is ripe for something revolutionary to happen. It doesn't have to be a war, but it's a time for change. And so that's kind of a big one. But I mean, you can see when a place has its Pluto return, often that is when there is a change of hands or something revolutionary happens in in that country that is interesting to note. So, uh, there, and I'm not going to list all the, I am not versed enough to remember. I mean, I, I listen to the astrologers as they talk and I'm like, oh yeah, that's interesting, but I can't sit here and name off all the things, but I do know there are certain things going on in the sky that are similar to the civil rights movement. Um, yeah, it's just very interesting. It's very interesting to hear people who are really well-versed in it really talk about it. So I encourage you, if you're interested, to definitely find an astrologer that you find interesting to listen to. And, you know, maybe a couple of them so you can get a couple of different takes and kind of see what you think. So, okay, that's kind of the background. How I use it in my life is I have an app on my phone. It's the Time Passages app. And there are several apps that you can get that are to do with astrology. This is just one that I have found to be the most helpful for me. Um, I like how you can pick um, which kind of astrology. Like I like to use, oh, I think it's, let me see. I always want to say it the wrong way. Let me just pull it up because... I want to tell you right. So I think it's whole sign as I'm trying to find it here on my stuff here. Yes, whole sign. I like whole sign astrology because then that kind of it it puts the houses in nice compartments so that you don't have bleed over into another. I don't know. I just it organizes better and my Virgo enjoys everything to be organized well into nice neat little boxes so that's why I like to use whole sign astrology other people use different ones um it does vary a little bit on certain things um depending on which one you decide to use but they're they're fairly similar so anyway that's I I like that you can kind of pick um it also it gives you your horoscope and I know that sounds cheesy and this is not like the horoscope that's in like the newspaper this is more like these are the things that are happening in the sky that are going to affect you like this week like it says daily but really give or take a couple days either way and I I sometimes look at those but I like to look at the long-term influences and these are the transits that are like several months or even up to a couple of years maybe even three years as it kind of moves, as things move around, usually it kind of comes and goes and maybe you'll get hit like three times over a period of like a month and a half to three years where you get 
three goes at this transit, like it'll kind of come and go and then it will move on and you won't have that again, maybe in your life. And there are some transits that you will not ever have in your life um, that are just unique to you that maybe your siblings would not have or your partner doesn't have, your parents or your grandparents didn't have. You're never going to experience everything because our human selves just don't live that long. So Anyway, I I like to look at those long-term influences because it kind of just it sets the stage for like the vibe or the or the challenges that I have on the table right now so that I can a be prepared for them and b like not fight them. Because if I know that's just kind of what's happening like recently it's like Saturn has been on my ass for like a couple of years. And then more specifically, really in the last year, and it looks to be until eh, into 2023 for sure, if not longer for some of the things that are going on. But, um, and Saturn's rough because it's like, I don't know, it's like the authoritative, like, you've got to get this, like lots of challenges. Saturn wants you to get your shit together and do some growing and some growing up. And so I've really kind of had a lot of that going on and seeing that helps me to understand like, okay, that's probably why this stuff is going on. And it's not like an excuse for like bad behavior. It's more of a like, oh, an awareness, like, yes, things are going to be challenging for a little bit. And either I can lean into it and see it as a gift and learn from it, or I can continue to fight it and throw a fit about it and drag my feet about it. And then I'm not going to learn anything from it this time. And then something else is going to come along along and kick me in the butt before long. So if you don't learn it one way, you're going to have to learn it another. So I just am trying to see the challenging things as a gift. And it just everything in my chart right now in the long term is all about that. Like I I think I have like, I want to say maybe like 10 long-term things right now. And some are new and some are getting ready to phase out. And they're not all about Saturn. I've got some Pluto stuff in there and I've got some Neptune stuff, a little bit of Uranus stuff in there too. But I mean, they're all just kind of having their way with me in this way that's like, there's going to be challenges. The challenges are going to be a gift that ends up being life-changing, but in a good way if you allow it that's really all of them. All of them are saying kind of the same thing, which I find interesting. And also I, I feel like it, it makes all of that more valid. So that's where I'm at personally with my stuff. So that's why I love this app because it's at my fingertips. I can check on it. Um, and then when I hear the astrologers talk about certain things, I can look at my own chart really quickly and see where that is for happening for me or like what degree of, Virgo I am in Jupiter or whatever they're talking about I can see like because sometimes they'll say oh well if you have this degree in this in this planet this transit is going to affect you more than not or whatever so I kind of like to just be able to quickly pull up my my chart in that way too so I don't know I just find it handy I think it's I think it's neat to know and I think the more I know the more I understand and the more aware I am and then I just it helps me to like use life and not feel a victim to it but like use it in a way that helps me and it just feels like not that I have control over it 
but that it's a pattern and it's for a reason and it's for me. It's not happening to me. It's happening for me. So that's how I choose to kind of use it in my day-to-day life. I would suggest, and I know I'm going to get into some like, I'm not going to get super deep, but I'm going to get into more technical things. And I usually do in episodes, I've got notes with me today so that I remember to go over the things and that's not super the norm for me just to throw a bunch of information. So I'm going, I'm going to try to personalize it as much as I can so that it doesn't seem like just a bunch of dry facts coming at you today. Um, but I think here's, here's where I want to start. I think getting to know your big three is important. I mean, if you know nothing about your astrology other than your sun sign, that's where you want to start. You want to find out your big three and your big three are your sun, your moon, and your rising sign. And your rising sign can also be referred to as your ascendant. So those are the three that are going to help you. They have a lot of influence on you as a human. Um, and they're, they're going to be important for you to know. So if you know nothing else, the big three are, are where you want to start for sure. So everybody probably knows their sun sign, but what is important to know about your sun sign is if you don't resonate with your sun sign, that's okay. Because while it does flavor everything you do, it doesn't necessarily resonate super hard sometimes. And it depends on where your like which house your sun sign is in may depend on how much you identify with it. And then also what else is going on in your chart. So I am a Taurus sun sign, but I have a lot of Virgo in my chart. And so I really also identify with Virgo. And also your sun sign is something that, and this is getting a little bit technical, but your chart progresses as you age. So there are 30, there are 30 degrees in every sign. So I was born, I think at like 20, I think 25, 20 something. I think it was 25 degrees of Taurus. So that means by the time I turned six years old, I was in the first degree of Gemini, if you want to think of it that way. So for the next 30 years, so by the time I was 35, I was kind of rounding the corner on ending that time in Gemini. So I spent some time, even though I was a Taurus sun, I really had a lot of things that were very Gemini happening in my life. And thinking about that, and I also am a Gemini moon, but I'll get to that in a minute. But it makes sense because Geminis, they like to talk. They like to hear all sides of the story. Sometimes they're a little bit flighty about things. They have a lot of questions about things. And hello, that's like my whole life. So yes, I very much had a lot of that Gemini energy in my progressive chart. And then, so now I've moved on and I'm kind of into the realms of cancer. And so that's been very interesting. So like I said, there are, there are 30 degrees in every sign. And so, yeah, if you don't resonate with your sun sign, maybe you were only in that sign, you know, maybe you were born at the very last degree or so of that sign. And so maybe you do resonate more with whatever you have progressed to. And it just goes around, you can find a wheel and it just kind of goes around like the clock. So that's how that kind of goes. And we'll get a little bit more into that when I talk about the houses and stuff. But um, so yeah, so the sun sign doesn't necessarily, is not the be all end all of you. So the moon sign, your moon sign is who you are when nobody's watching 
who you were as a child a lot of times. Like it's your very authentic part of you that is like your emotional part of you. And it's very much usually um, how you are at home, kind of in, in your own private space where nobody else can see you. You're not like when you strip it down and you're not putting on a show for anybody like we sometimes feel like we have to do through life. Your moon sign is who you really, really are. And mine is in Gemini. And I do definitely relate to that. Like I feel that hardcore. Um, It's also, I thought this was very interesting. Your moon sign is how you relate to your mother. So, and it's funny because, um, hey, shout out to mom. Um, Mom and I can talk for like two hours on the phone and it's like, holy crap, I, how did we talk that long? And I need to probably go do something else. But um, yeah, it's like we can talk for two hours and it doesn't even feel like that. And like, it's nonstop, like chatter. So anyway, so when I think how I relate to my mother is we talk a lot. I mean, we just do. And it's, it's, it's just very interesting. But then my daughter also is a Gemini moon and she's not necessarily like a chatterbox, like how I can be, but we do have a conversation, a relationship where we do talk to each other about like on the daily, if we go for a walk or whatever together, we do connect in through talking. Um, yeah. So it's just very interesting. So if you are a mom looking at your kids' moon signs, that's how they relate to you. Like my oldest has an Aries moon and he is kind of a firecracker and we do kind of get heated with each other. And, um, my youngest is a Scorpio moon and we do go kind of deep and it's, it's just so funny. I mean, he's only 12 and so that probably will evolve even more, but like, um, we don't necessarily do the small talk. It's usually like a deep conversation about something, which is super funny. And that's how he is. Like he doesn't always have a lot to say, but when he does, like it's worth a listen because he kind of says some things that like most kids his age probably don't even think about. So it's just really super funny and and fun to like look at that moon sign. See, see what your kids' signs are. And then also it helps you kind of see how you relate to your own mother. So very interesting. And then last of the big three is your rising sign or your ascendant. And this is the sign. It's like when you meet somebody for the first time, this is usually their first impression of you is the characteristics of this sign. It is the, so it's the mask you wear for the world and not that you're being fake or not that you're trying to put on a show for anybody, but like, this is how, when you do have to go out into the world, this is what comes out. It just is. And a lot of times from what I understand, it's like, so we have our progressive chart, like our sun sign kind of, we can see how that kind of moves, but also our ascendant is something that we grow into as well. So, um, yeah, you will, you may find yourself as you get older, identifying more with your ascendant than you do with your sun sign. Even though your sun sign definitely, definitely flavors everything that you do, but it becomes maybe more of like a background noise than the front and center thing. Like I'm a Taurus. And so, and I definitely, that flavors everything I do. I need to be comfortable always. 
I do not like to be uncomfortable. I do not like to change. I do not like anything to be like, I don't know, always, I don't like anything to be chaotic. Um, And that's just how I navigate throughout the world. Not that I can't navigate around those things and learn to be more flexible. As I've talked about on this podcast before, that is a struggle for me. And I think that's my, my Taurus son has a hard time with change and has a hard time with discomfort. And so those are kind of the negative aspects of that sign, but it does flavor the things that I, I do and how I interact with the world around me. So anyway, but, um, so my ascendant is in Sagittarius and funny, that is all about, usually it's like people who love to travel, but it's a lot about like kind of getting philosophical and really wanting to learn and dig into things on a deeper level. And I'll get more into this later on in this episode, but Sagittarius and Gemini are on opposite sides of the Zodiac wheel. So um, it's interesting because like the, the word I, and I found this, um, Jan Spiller astrology had this beautiful, I love it. It's like this beautiful depiction illustration of all of the signs and it's like one word and you can really easily see like the opposite. So like the word for Gemini is knowledge and the word for Sagittarius is wisdom. And so this wisdom is where I'm leaning into And that Gemini with the knowing, it's like I like to know a little bit about a lot of things. But as I get older, learning to refine that and like really hone in and go deeper and gain a wisdom in these things. So I don't know. It's um, I definitely do identify with that ascendant, that rising sign. I do enjoy travel if you can get me there. So the Taurus in me is like, I don't want to ever leave home. I don't want to pack my suitcase. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to get on an airplane. I don't want to do all those things because I want to be home. But like once you get me somewhere, like you make me get out of the house, make me pack my bag, get me on an airplane or in the car or whatever and get me there, I'm like loving it. And I'm soaking up all the culture and all of the history and all of the things and just exploring and enjoying the beauty that the scenery has to offer and I love it all. And then I'm like, why Why don't I like to do this? So it's so funny because I have that tug of war between that part of me that doesn't want change and doesn't want to leave home and the part of me that's like, yes, let's go and let's let's travel and let's learn new things. And it's just, you know, it's balance. I guess that's what kind of just evens me out. But anyway, that is my ascendant. So, so yeah, I think... Um, If you don't know your big three, dig into those. That's a really, really nice place to start. And it will really give you some things about yourself that maybe you you didn't, like you knew about yourself, but you didn't really know why. And it kind of validates how you've moved through the world thus far. So I encourage you to check those out for sure. The other thing that is important after you know your big three, I would suggest looking at where your Chiron is. Chiron is an asteroid and it is nicknamed the wounded healer. So it kind of, what it likes to do is it likes to bring us pain, 
painful things. So it likes to give us a little bit of pain, but not the kind of pain that's going to break us. The kind of pain that's going to be like, oh, hey, wait a minute. I need to change this. And it helps us to transform. So like I said, it's not to torture us. It's not to break us down. It really is to build us back up and help us to transform. But you have to feel that pain to heal it. And so Chiron is like, hey, and it's going to poke at you until you're like, okay, I hear you. I see you. I feel you. I get it. I'm going to do the work on that. And then it will continue to bother you as you do the work. And it probably will, you know, remind you even after you think that you've healed it, it will remind you that, hey, there's always room to grow. So my Chiron is the same as my sun sign it is in Taurus. And so what I've noticed over time is that when your Chiron is in Taurus, like mine is, is you deal with this pain, it gives you in a very slow fashion. That's the Taurus way is slow and steady. And you do find the purpose in this pain. And, but it, it it's slow. It's, it's not a quick, it's not a quick deal. And like, we really feel it. We feel it in our bodies. So if you have a, a Chiron and Taurus and I don't know. I cannot remember how long it takes for that to change signs, but usually I, I was born 1980. People around that year, give or take, it's probably the same for you, but you can definitely look into that. Um, and it's also, so Taurus has a lot to do with like material possessions, like physical things. And so this struggle of feeling feelings of material lack and I can identify with that. There's been times in my life where that has been big and it's been hard to deal with. Like I remember not always being able to have the name brand clothes. And that's really hard when you are a preteen and a teenager, especially when everybody else seems to have those things. So I, I did have that struggle early in life. And I still, I don't know, now it's almost flipped where it's like, I've struggled with, am I worthy to have these nice things now that I can like, but what about the people who can't? So it's kind of flipped. And I don't know if it's because I can identify with not having them, but then I've had to remind myself that if I withhold nice things for myself, that doesn't necessarily give nice things to other people. So I think to enjoy what I have and appreciate it and not take it for granted and have gratitude for it is the way to go at that. But that took a while. That took me a, a hot second to get to that point. So another interesting thing about this Chiron and Taurus. So, okay, here's the years. I knew I had this somewhere. If you were born between 1976 and 1984, your Taurus or your Chiron is probably in Taurus. Unless it was, like, I don't think it was a whole year of 1976 and it probably wasn't the whole year of 1984. There would have been like a, some cutoff and starting point somewhere there, but Anyway, generally speaking, those are the years. So, and I, I was looking into this and it's like, the kids born during those times, like there was this going to school, you had the haves and the have nots. You had kids that had the things like the Atari or the Nintendo or the Walkman or the CD player, those things. And they were like a hot ticket or the VCR even, 
those were big expensive items and it like was saying what those things would cost today and it's like holy crap like I did not realize how expensive those things were and you if you had those things you were like the cool kid and that's where the kids wanted to go after school was to your house because you had the gaming system or you had the stereo that was great so all of that boiled down to was learning like if you were one of those kids that did not have those things you had to learn to find your self-worth outside of material possessions and that was the lesson so you had the kids that had the stuff but like the percentage of those kids was actually relatively low in the grand scheme of things now maybe it felt like your town like everybody had it but you but if you really look at it like worldwide like not very many people could afford to have those big ticket items. So you had a whole neighborhood of kids at one house playing on that thing. And so some of those kids maybe did base their self-worth off of the things that they had. But the majority of us had to learn that it was we had to learn to find our identity and our self-worth in a way that did not have to do with our possessions, our material things, which was important. I mean, and that's what that Chiron was wanting us to learn this lifetime. And if you believe in multiple lifetimes, maybe there was a lifetime where you were the one that had everything. And maybe you weren't very nice to the people who didn't. And so maybe this time around, you had to have that challenge of learning to find self-worth and have it not attached to anything monetary or material. So I thought that was very interesting. And the time before that, that it happened was in the late twenties, early thirties. So like 1926 to 1934. So if you look at that, that was a time of great, like the late twenties, great affluence. People were doing well, people had things. And then, and so like, if you were, well, then the depression hits. And so if you already kind of were, in a family that wasn't really doing that great, maybe you didn't notice the, the effects of the depression as much because you always kind of didn't have much, or maybe just it got worse some and probably sooner than the kids who, so let's say that your dad was a banker or your dad was something that you had a lot of money. It it maybe was instantly that you're like, oh my gosh, our way of living, like our lifestyle took a huge hit like right now or sometimes it depends on what the dad's job was so sometimes maybe they weren't able to hang on and have those nice things for a really long time when most people did not so then you had those kids that still were the haves so maybe they were the kids that were like hey I'll pay for everybody to go to the movie I'll pay for everybody to go get you know some candy at the store or whatever And then those were the popular kids, you know, those are the kids. So they learn like, oh, I've got money. I can give people things that they otherwise can't have. And then you had the kids that were like, I don't. So I'm just going to have to be like a nice person in order to like have friends and stuff. Like I can't rely on these external things that I can't control. So I know that was kind of all over the place, but it's just very interesting that that was another time in history where um, Chiron was in Taurus and how that looked during that depression time of, you know, having, having money and then not having money or being the one to have the money or being the one to not have the money and how you learned your self-worth around those things. Um, So true in the 
20s and 30s, true in the 70s and 80s. And I don't know, I haven't done the math to see when that will be back around again, but um, yeah, so generations from now, they'll be, it'll be interesting. You know, I may not be around here to to see how that pans out, but that's another thing. It's like looking at the patterns and seeing where in history these things occur. And it's just, I don't know, it's just very interesting. So that is Chiron. And Chiron sounds like kind of a booger, but you know, he really is here to help us grow. And you have to feel that pain to heal it. And I believe that we choose when we're born. And I know that sounds really crazy, but we we choose to have this cosmic makeup to help us do the things that we came to do here this lifetime. I really do believe that. I don't think there's any accidents, even if it seems like, oh my gosh, they were born really earlier. Oh my gosh, you know, they had to be, you know, we planned that date. It was a C-section date. Like, I don't know. Like, I really do think that there's a reason for everything. I think I believe in divine timing. So, oh, also on another note, like it is super important to know your birth time, like your exact birth time, because, and I should have said this when I talked about the um, big three, but anyway, I'll say it now so I don't forget. It That birth time is really, really important because while the sun sign takes a month to change, the moon changes signs every like, I think two and a half days. And so, on that day where it changes during the day, if you don't, if, if you were born on a day where it was changing and you don't know what time you were born, your moon sign could be one way or the other. You you have two choices there. And so if you don't know your time, you're kind of guessing and your moon sign has a lot to do with who you are. Um, and then your ascendant, that rising sign changes every couple of hours, I believe, because it's, yeah, it's whatever... That that time where you take that first breath, that is the that is the photograph of the sky, and that tells you a lot about who you are and what you came here to do. So yeah, knowing that is big, and because it even there, you could be if you don't know your your you could figure out your moon sign. You could probably like at least see if it was a day where it stayed consistent and it was in the same sign all day. If you were born on a day that it was in that sign all day long, you could figure it out. But if it was a day that it changed, it would be hard. And then you would, you're just not going to know your rising sign and your rising sign does play a big role. So if you can find that birth certificate and you can get that exact time, it does make a big difference. Okay. So moving on from Chiron, let's talk about the, the nodes. So there, you have a north node and a south node, and I believe these are lunar nodes, and it's how, like, I don't know, it's how the sky looked. And again, and these change every, I think, like, year and a half, 18 months-ish. I mean, somewhere, I think, around that. I don't know the exactitude on that one, but yeah, every year and a half. So right now, we are in a, a Taurus and Scorpio North and South node. We just got out of the Gemini Sagittarius. So it moves, like I said, every year and a half. And so those are collective things that we're focusing on. Like when the nodes are in those signs, there are certain things that us as a collective population on planet Earth are moving through and supposed to be learning from. But you can look at where it was when you were born And your south node, I'll start with that. Your south node 
is where you are comfortable. If you believe in multiple lives, you've done this before. The south node is an energy that you carry within you that you are very comfortable with, that you have mastered. It is not a challenge for you anymore. It is your easy button energy. So whatever that south node is, that's where you like to kind of hang out and you have to kind of watch that because it is your comfort zone. And so it's you don't want to move out of it. And I have found that true with me. And I'll explain that here in a minute. Um, so your north node is new energy that your soul is trying to get used to. And maybe you've even had this energy presented to you in several lives, but it's still kind of hard and it's new and it's a challenge for you. And it's where you're growing towards. It's where you are learning to integrate and embody new energy. And like I said, it's not comfortable, but there is so many opportunities for soul growth in this North Node energy for you. So um, on my app that I use, it tells me my North Node, which is in Leo. And then from there, whatever's directly opposite on the Zodiac wheel is your South Node. So the app doesn't tell me what my South Node is. I had to use that the wheel to look. So uh, my north node is in Leo and my south node is in Aquarius. So let's talk about that south node in Aquarius. That for me is like I have been here and been the quiet observer a lot and I am super comfortable in that role. Just hanging out, watching other people, taking in information, blending in in the background, not making a fuss, not bringing any attention to myself. That's super uncomfortable. Like I just want to be there and be involved, but at a distance. Like that is that Aquarius energy 100%. And that is what I'm comfortable with. Like that's what I've come in with time and time and time again. And I'm sure at some point in some lifetime that was new and I had to learn to be the observer. But now I'm super comfortable with that. I've really mastered that. And so what the universe is asking me to do now is really move towards that Leo energy. And Leo is all about being the observed, being the one that everybody is watching. Their eyes are on you. You learn to love to be seen and heard and it's like you're on stage and you've got all eyes on you. And that is the Leo energy. And people who have mastered that, they love it. And people who have a lot of Leo in their chart, you may see them really embody that too. It's just like, oh, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And man, this lifetime, I've really been trying to push myself out into that Leo energy a little bit more. As a child, no please don't talk to me. Please don't look at me. You know, I did not want any, I did not want to rock the boat. I did not want to be seen. Absolutely. Like, please let me blend in and don't, I do not want to make a scene. And so it's really been, it really has been a challenge and it really has been a place of a lot of growth for me to kind of lean into that Leo energy and just to let it, let it be. And like, give put myself in situations where I have to be seen and heard. This podcast, for example, that is a very Leo North Node thing to do. Um, same with the things I put out on social media and just like trying to um, open up my healing practice and um, 
having moon circles once a month. I mean, all of those things are putting me in the limelight in a way that I've never been comfortable with. And it still feels uncomfortable. But I understand that the more I do it, the more growth happens. And that's what it's all about. It the, really, I've really learned that the outcome isn't as big of a deal as what you learn going through the process of it. Like having this podcast, it doesn't matter if I have one listener or 1 million listeners. It doesn't matter. The fact that I'm going through the motion and doing it, not knowing who's listening, not knowing the outcome of it, and still be willing to be seen and kind of be on stage, that's where the magic happens. That willingness to put myself in the energy. The outcome, the universe doesn't care. The universe doesn't care about the outcome. It doesn't care about how many people it just the intention of I'm allowing this, I'm surrendering to this, I'm putting myself into these situations, and I'm willing to grow. That's all that you're really being asked to do when you move into that north node. So knowing your north and south nodes are super cool. If you are one that is focused on really getting a lot of bang for your buck this lifetime and really wanting to try to get out of that comfort zone and get into some kind of new energy territory. So yeah, I encourage you after you kind of know your big three and are comfortable with that and you've kind of looked into Chiron, those north and south nodes also hold a lot of wisdom for you. So let's talk about houses next. So the houses one through six are really about your inner landscape. It's about the me part of your astrology. And houses seven through 12 are more of what's going on in your outer landscape, and it is the we part of your astrological makeup. So knowing that kind of helps you see like where are most of your planets and points. If they are mostly in houses one through six, then you're really here to focus on some inner things. Really focus on, I'm going to say focus on yourself but really that inner landscape, that inner growth and how you relate to yourself and learning about yourself, that's what your focus would be. If they are more, if more of your planets and points are in your outer, you are here to do more connecting and learning about yourself in that way. How do you interact with the world around you? And some people have a really nice balance of both. And mine look like, I don't know, it's, I would say most of mine are probably in that 7 to 12 house area. And I don't have the actual numerical breakdown of that. But looking at it, really most of my stuff falls in that 7 through 12. I have some in the 1st. I have some in the 6th. So really, if you look at like the, the, the wheel, it's that top half of mine really has a lot more going on than the stuff that's on the bottom. So, um, and it's interesting here with the houses, kind of like what I was going to talk about with the, with the signs. And I'll get back to that next, actually. Um, so I don't forget about that. The, the opposites on the wheel, they're the same category, but it's like a different take on it. So for example, the first and seventh houses are kind of like, it's like you're it's like an identity like I am would be the first house and we are is the seventh house 
the second house is kind of the second and eighth houses are the things that you have. So like I have is kind of the theme for the second house and we have is the theme for the eighth. The third and the ninth are your communication houses. The third house is more of an I think and the ninth is we communicate. The fourth is I need and the tenth is we support. The fifth house and the eleventh house are about creativity. So the fifth is I create and the eleventh is we create. And the sixth and twelfth houses are how we serve. So the service um, to the world really. So I serve as the sixth house and we serve as the twelfth house. So it's like those first through six are, yeah, they're all the eyes. And it's like how you, it's like the the baby step into it. And then it's like you graduate into the wheeze, if that makes sense. It's like a little bit of a progression, being able to go from the inward to the outward. So that's the houses. And I think it's easiest, like, if you just, if you look up your chart, you can very easily see. It's like whatever your rising sign is, that's your first house. That's your first house placement. So my rising sign is Sagittarius. My, and the planet with that is Neptune. So I have Neptune in my first house. And then you can just kind of see, and there's other things like you can have a lot of things in one house. So if you have, I think it's like three or more planets or points, I guess we'll just say planets in a house that they would call that a stellium. And I have a stellium in Virgo in the 10th house which is interesting for sure. Um, but it, it explained, it helped me to know that. I'm like, oh, well, that's why I am the way I am. And not that it's an excuse for that, but it's like, oh, I need to kind of watch those because mine Virgo is a tendency to like want to be a perfectionist. And yeah, the 10th house is a lot about, like I said, it's like, it's, it says we support is the, is the key words, but it's kind of like your career too. And so it's like this perfection there, all those, all that Virgo there in that 10th house. It's like, okay, that's why I get really intense about things that I really love to work on. I don't know. Anyway, um, just a little sidebar there about why it's kind of cool to know. And, and yeah, so just, I look, look at that. It's really, really interesting. And it will tell you a lot about you as a person as well. So I think that's really cool. So also another way to look at the astrology, when I say look at the astrological wheel is look at it by, if you look at it by sign. So we'll start with Aries because that, that is the first sign of the Zodiac. So, and that happens, let's see, kind of mid-March. So it's, that's the astrological new year is when we go into Aries season. It's the initiator there. It's not January 1st, like our calendar new year. It's different. So it's kind of that spring energy, that Aries, that mid-March, and you can feel that. I mean, but that's where the astrological calendar starts. So Aries is about self, and the opposite side of that is, is, hold on. Leo, which is other. Interesting. Okay. And then I guess I haven't really like 
comprehended all of this. Next, we have Taurus. And it is about holding on, whereas Scorpio is about letting go. Scorpio is opposite. And then we have Gemini, and it's about knowledge, where Sagittarius, which is opposite, is about wisdom. And then we have Cancer, which is about the home. And opposite of that is Capricorn, which is about the world. And then we have... Oh, I'm sorry. Then we have Leo. I can't read my writing very well, apparently. Then we have Leo, and that's about individuality. And opposite of that is Aquarius, which is about the group. Then we have Virgo. Virgo is about control, where the opposite is Pisces, and that is about surrender. And then where I messed up earlier, um, we've got Libra. Libra was other, not not Leo. I didn't think that made sense, and that, but I was like, well, that's what I have written down. No, that was not right. So back to Aries, which is about the self. It's Libra that has that energy of being about the other. So I just thought that was interesting to put them into just those one or two words and how they describe that sign. Very interesting. So I'll just go around the wheel again. Aries is self. Taurus is holding on. Gemini is knowledge. Cancer is home. Leo is individuality. Virgo is control. Libra is other. Scorpio is letting go, Sagittarius is wisdom, Capricorn is world, Aquarius is group, and Pisces is surrender. And again, that was from Jan Spiller. That was on her Instagram the other day, and I saw that and had to screenshot it, and I thought that was really cool, a really cool way of looking at that. So that is that. Okay, so I know this is getting kind of long, so I'm going to try to move this along a little bit. Um, so... Y- we have inner planets and we have outer planets and your inner planets are your sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, and Mars. So if you're really looking about like who you are, like your personality and like what makes you tick, those are the planets that you really want to focus on those inner planets because they're closer to us. They just affect us more directly. They change a lot. So, um, yeah, when they are in that sign, it's like a really big, it's it's just a different impact than the outer planets. So the outer planets are Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. And yes, we still include Pluto because he's he was for a very long time considered a planet. So in astrology, he still is. So those are your generational planets. So because they stay in one sign for so long, Everybody in your quote unquote generation has those same signs. So they're with us for a really long time. So it's more of like a, it's like a more slow integration of these things into our life. Whereas those inner planets are more of a, a quick punch for us. If that makes sense. It's, it's a stronger felt thing where the outer planets are, they're there but they're not super unique just to us, if that makes sense. Now, that's where you would look more at your house. So when you're looking at those outer planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, look where which house those are in. And that's going to tell you more specific information about you. Whereas just knowing wh- what sign those planets are in, that is going to be generational, if that makes sense. So let me just pull up mine real quick. So my Jupiter is in Virgo. My Saturn is in Virgo. Those take a little bit to move. Um, 
So like people that are born around the same time as me within a, you know, a year or two probably would have those same ones. But then like the farther out you get Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, I've got Uranus and Scorpio, Neptune in Sagittarius and Pluto in Libra. Those are generational. Like those are people like 10, 20, 30, you know, years or whatever that all have the same. So that's when, if I look at it, like the inner planets are things that really are a lot about me and like who I am and how I am here to work in the world. And the outer planets are like, what are we here to do as a group? What are we here to change? What are we here to take on as a very large group of people to make our mark on the world? If you want to look at it that way. So that's the inner and outer planets. Another thing with astrology that is important to look at would be the elements. So you've got fire, earth, air, and water. So I'll just go over which ones are in which, which signs are in which elements real quick. The fire signs are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. The earth signs are Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. The air signs are Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius. The water signs are Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. So if you have a lot of fire in your chart, you probably are a very passionate, high energy, creative person. Or if those, so look at your, like I said, those inner planets, those first five, sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars. If you have a lot of fire in those, like I said, passionate, high energy, creative, initiator kind of a person. Um, If you have a lot of earth in those first five, you're probably a very steady, reliable, grounded person. If you have a lot of air, you're probably very intellectual, but also open-minded and curious. And if you have a lot of water, you are probably a deep feeler, very intuitive, very sensitive. So if you have a lot of one of those, and I go ahead and look through your whole chart. You can include the outer ones as well. See if you're pretty balanced or if you tend to have a couple that are more of your strong suits or like how that all pans out. It's important information to know because you'll want to bring balance to those areas that like if you have like I have a lot of earth in my chart so I have to remember that about myself and try to bring the balance like bring those other elements into my life more consciously because my fallback is going to always be those earth things so I'm always going to just want to be kind of the slow moving, steady, reliable, grounded, like that's my energy that I'm really comfortable in. But sometimes, you know, you need to have some fire, you need to have some emotion, you need to have some more like, get into that, the, the curiosity. And so if you know, you really kind of gravitate to one, you want to be more mindful of bringing the other elements in when you can. So that's why it would be important to kind of see where you are there. And also, we have what you would call cardinal, fixed, and mutable signs. So the cardinal signs are Aries, Cancer, and Libra. So those are like, those seem to be at the beginning of seasons, it seems like. Um, They're initiating energy. They're like the, let's get this ball rolling. Let's go. It's like that leadership, like stepping off point. Let's, there's a lot of energy there to like get things started, try new things in those signs. And then the fixed signs are Taurus, Leo, 
Scorpio Aquarius. I left out a cardinal one. Capricorn was who I was missing. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, when I said the starting of the seasons, that was right. Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn. So, spring, summer, fall, winter. Yes. Okay, so back to the fixed signs. The fixed signs... Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius. So these follow those initiating signs, those those cardinal signs. And they are kind of like the stabilizers. They're the, okay, we have this idea. Let's really look at this and kind of make a plan. Like, let's, that's great. We got a lot of energy. There's a lot of creativity there. But how is this really going to play out in real life? They're like the the grown-ups come in and are like, okay, that's really cool, but have you thought about this and that? And like, th- like the logistics of the thing. That's, that's that fixed energy. It's like, well, but have you thought this through? And then you have the mutable signs and those are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. And these mutable signs, they're very comfortable with being flexible and comfortable and they like change. They're okay with it. And so I kind of see them as like, after you've kind of gone over the logistics, the logistics of the plan, these are, this is the energy that comes in and it's like, okay, well we tried out now let's make this adjustment and then like, let's improvise this and change this. So that's how I kind of see it like that. Um, that the, the cardinal energy is the let's get started. We've got a really cool plan. The fixed energy comes in and works on the logistics. And then the mutable signs come in and help you make changes and improvise and are flexible. So seeing how well balanced you are in those areas is also going to help you kind of know what makes you tick. Like if you have a lot of fixed signs in your chart, um, you probably don't like change very much. So knowing that about you could be like, okay, well, I know that's part of me, but I really need to work on being more okay with it. Like accept that that's who you are and that's how you work, but also know that eh, I probably need to bring some balance there and like making a point to do that. I am pretty, I don't know. I have, I'm pretty actually balanced in that area. Um, it looks like I have the fixed and the mutable are, are pretty balanced. And then I, the cardinal is what I don't have as much of, which makes sense with how I roll. So that is not surprising at all, but I don't know. It just, it just gives you yet another thing to look at. So it's so, it's so crazy. Like astrology, if you just thought it was your sun sign, see all of these things that there are to think about. It's so much more even than what I'm sharing today. I mean, this stuff is like the basic stuff. And I didn't even dive deep into any of it, really. I'm just kind of giving you the the starting off points for you to kind of get into this on your own if you find it interesting. But yeah, there's just, there's so much. There's so much to look at with those top three, Chiron, your nodes, understanding kind of how your inner and outer planets work with you, the elements and the signs. And if you're, you know, the fixed, the mutable, the cardinal in the houses, it's just, there's so many things that can really tell your story. It's just, it's just so cool. And it's, you know, take your time in it and like dip your toe in it and see what you think. And like, you know, it's not anything you have to plow into and like really learn really fast, but it, it does kind of help you understand what makes you tick, which is what I think is so cool about it. 
So, okay, a couple more things before we wrap up. I do want to talk about retrogrades because everybody's like, oh my gosh, Mercury's in, in retrograde. Oh, everything's going to break. And yes, there, Mercury retrograde is known to cause kind of like those technological glitches or mechanical failures. Like if something's going to break down, it seems to happen during a Mercury retrograde. So heads up on that if you didn't know that. However, really what retrogrades bring to us is an opportunity. And that opportunity is to review, rethink, and reflect on things. And so I always, when I hear that a planet is going to go go retrograde, I really do, I look to see what sign it's in. And I and it depends on like what planet it is and what that kind of governs of like what part that governs and really kind of like look at that part of my life and see where I can really bring some more thought into that area and like not start anything new in that part, but really revisit and reevaluate some things there. So like if Mercury is in retrograde in Gemini and I think that's what it was the last time it's like that's a really good time to like look over how I'm communicating with others maybe not put out anything new but like I use that time to like look at my web page again and like is there anything that needs tweaked is there anything that maybe isn't really being explained the way it could be Um, I looked at how I was interacting with people on Instagram like is there a way that I could go about this in a different way to attract more followers and not that I care that much about the followers but to get my information out to other people like is there something that I could do different it's like really looking at the things that you're doing and how could you how could you change it or maybe you don't want to maybe you look at that and you're like no I really think that this is pretty okay it's just not a great time to start something new so and every planet has retrograde periods some do it more often than others Um, The inner planets, their retrogrades are shorter, but they, I think they go through retrogrades more often. And then the outer planets, when they retrograde, it's for months on end and they do it like, it seems like they're in retrograde about half of the time. So it's retrograde is not a big deal other than that. It just allows you that time to kind of revisit some things. And like, if you didn't get something the first time, this is another opportunity kind of thing. It's, I look at it as a gift, a gift to like revisit things that maybe need some attention. So that's how I kind of look at retrogrades. Um, We did go through a time, I don't know if it was early this year or late last year, where we had a lot, I think more than half of the planets were in retrograde at once. And that we do kind of feel that. Like if one or two are in that, I mean, whatever, like maybe you wouldn't notice, but when we have like half of them, there's definitely a vibe to that. And it's like, maybe you feel kind of stuck. And I know I kind of felt that way. And it's like, oh my gosh, I cannot move forward with this thing. Like nothing's happening. Whether maybe you're trying to like buy a new house or you're looking for, you want to change jobs or I don't know, maybe, I don't know. There could be anything that you're like kind of wanting to move forward in and you just feel like, oh my gosh, I feel like for the last six months, like nothing's happening in this area. I think that's what we were, we probably were all feeling that. And when a lot of planets are retrograding, it can feel that way. And I think that's just a nice time to be like, you know what? Okay, 
I'm going to just cool my jets here, see and enjoy what I have. And, and as soon as things start going back, you know, out of retrograde, I know that things will start happening and moving forward and taking off and it will be fine. Just using that time as kind of a time for rest, maybe, and just reflection. So that is really what I have to say about retrogrades. They're not, they're not so scary as what people like to make them sound like they are. So I don't know. Other than that, I was just going to really kind of talk about forecasting a little bit. And this is what, when I listen to the astrologers talk or when I follow them on, on social media, usually they are doing some kind of forecasting and they will talk about squares and trines and conjunctions and oppositions and sextiles and probably other things that I'm forgetting to mention. But they're basically what they're talking about is how the planets are relating and talking to each other in the sky, like how they're meeting up, what angle it's at, for how long. And they will talk about the patterns, like if you look back in time, what tends to be the vibe for the way those planets are meeting up with each other. And so they can kind of say, well, and a lot of times they'll go, um, the ones I listen to, they talk about the weekly forecast and then some of them will do like a month ahead as well. And then usually at the beginning, uh, like at the end of one year into the beginning of the next, we'll get like a year ahead forecast, which is kind of cool. But really they'll just talk about like the big events that they see coming up based on what's going on in the sky and based on the history of these patterns that we've been watching for hundreds of years and what all that can mean. But I think the the big takeaway, and I heard um, the person I was listening to today talk about this, and I think this is super important to remember if you do start to listen to these astrologers or follow them and when it comes to forecasting. It is all about how it's interpreted. You know, we can see the things, but every every astrologer brings their own flavor and their own nuances to how they interpret what they see going on in relation to what's already happened in the past. So even though it's the same stuff, it's everybody kind of has a little bit different lens on it just based on their experience and or maybe their intuition. It just kind of depends on the person. And I, but I think what is important to remember, and this is what she talked about, is that even if someone is saying, oh, well, we have a lot of challenging things happening in the sky this week, this month, this year, whatever that is, that just because things are challenging doesn't mean that they're bad. And it doesn't mean that you're going to feel it in a really abrupt, terrible way. Some people around you might. So it's good to know that if people are acting a fool, that it might be something to do with what's going on in the sky and be aware of that. But if if you are aware that it, there could be a challenge, and they usually go into detail about like kind of like what the challenge is, and you can locate that in your life and lead into it a little bit, it's not going to bite you so hard, if that makes sense. Or maybe that's something that you were needing help kind of working out of your life or working into your life or whatever. And you, and this gives you that push and it actually makes things easier in your life because you needed that help. Like the, even though it's challenging, it helped you move through what you were already working on faster and made it kind of like be over and done with and it wasn't long and drug out because you had kind of that push from the universe there. And on the flip side of that, 
if they're talking about, oh, well, this is going to be really nice. This is easy. This is going to feel good. Not always. I mean, you can still have a crap week, month, year, whatever. Like, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be smooth everywhere. It just means that typically those things that are happening in the sky don't cause a lot of chaos or challenge. So just to be aware of that and just to kind of take the forecasting with a grain of salt because, you know, astrologers are only people and nobody really can predict the future. So I always take it with a grain of salt. And that's, again, why I like to listen to a variety of people and kind of see what the common theme is, because that's that's what I'm going to focus on. If If three or four people are kind of saying the same thing, that's where my focus is going to be. And again, just being aware of it, there's nothing to be done about it. We can't change the energy in the sky. It's just how you choose to lean into it. I mean, do you want to use it and go with it and make your life feel a little bit smoother? Or do you want to fight against it, swimming upstream, kicking and screaming, and then wear yourself out? I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. That's the only reason why I even give it my attention at all. Other than that, it's also kind of entertaining for me. But that's that's kind of the takeaway. And so that just leads to this kind of wrapping this up is what is the point of astrology? Like who cares about it and why should I? And I think it just boils down to with your own personal stuff, it's it's all about that self-discovery and validation of who you are and understanding that there is a possibility. I mean, in my mind, this is what I, I believe is that we picked to be born when we were born. Like divine timing is a thing. God doesn't create accidents. Like this is a thing. And we, we picked this for a reason. We're here at this time on this planet to do certain things. And this astrology is kind of like the personality traits slash vibe we wanted to have that would help us carry out the things that we want to do. That's it. Like, it's like, it, it's, a, they're helpers. Like, we, we set ourselves up to succeed by picking the, these things to help us out. Even if they seem really challenging, we picked them for a reason. So self-discovery, self-awareness, absolutely are reasons why. Um, and also understanding like the vibes of other people and what makes them tick. And even your kids, like understanding your kids charts is huge. It's like, oh, that's why. That is why they do that. It's not just to annoy the crap out of me. Like it's kind of an innate thing that they have. And that's going to be their thing to work on or lean into or whatever. But that's why they are the way they are. And just kind of respecting that and giving that some grace. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, there's no accidents in the way that things are created. That there's patterns everywhere we look. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, in our bodies, in nature, everywhere. Like, and our human minds love to find them. And use them. Even if we're not completely aware that we're doing it, it's like so innate in us to do it. So maybe it's a bunch of BS, all of this. I don't know. It just seems very synchronistic though. 
And I just really don't think that we're here in utter chaos and things are happening at random happenstance chance kind of ways. Do I believe in free will? Yes. I think that we can make things a lot harder because we may choose to do things that aren't great for us. Other people make choices that affect us. But overall, there is a rhyme and a reason to things. We just, we don't always see it. It's just like, you know, a hundred or so years ago, before people could look at germs under a microscope, not understanding what a virus was or what bacteria was or what fun, like what, what these things were that were making us sick. Like we didn't understand it because we couldn't see it. And that was because these things were so small. They were so minute that our human eye couldn't see it. And we were just kind of like looking for patterns and guessing I mean, it's the same thing with astrology, only it's on a big scale. It's like the other end of that. Like, we just, we know that the solar system is a thing. And, but like everything's so big. And it's like, how can these big blobs of gas and rock and ice affect me? Well, we don't, we can see them. We can see them with a telescope, but we can't see all the nuances and understand like we can't zoom out farther than where we are on earth. We're seeing this from earth. It's like we can't get beyond that and see it from the way God sees it. Because really we're just, I mean, we're just a speck. I mean, we know that there are multiple solar systems, multiple galaxies. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing. It like makes my brain hurt to think about how small of a speck we really are. And so I don't know, who are we to think that things aren't here for a reason and things don't have patterns and rhyme and reason to help us out. I choose to think that it's here for us and that we can use it and make things a little bit easier or we can say it's not real and continue to swim upstream sometimes, kicking and screaming and and having a tantrum when, when life is hard. So I use it because I feel like it helps me navigate through my life easier and be more accepting of the things that are hard. So that's, that's my take on it anyway. But I encourage you to start, like I said, start with those big three and then dig in deeper from there. Find an app that you like and just maybe listen to an astrologer or two, follow them on your social media, just bring an awareness into your life and then slowly just follow your curiosities with it from there. That's what I did. It's not overwhelming when you take it in bite-sized chunks. And I will list in the show notes, the resources that I have personally used and found helpful. Um, They are by no means the only thing out there. Like there's an infinite amount of people who teach and share about all things astrology. So I'm only going to put in the show notes the ones that I have found helpful for me. If you listen to them or interact with them and you think that that's really not for you, just keep looking. You will find you will find what works for you and what makes sense for you. But anyway, I hope this has been helpful. It was a long one. I really didn't anticipate talking for this long on astrology because I really, like I said, I'm, I'm such in the very beginning phases of really understanding it. Um, there's so much to learn. I don't think you can ever learn it all. So 
I just wanted to bring it to you because it's helped me. And I always think, well, if it helped me, maybe it can help somebody else. So that's why I brought it for you today. And I hope that you did find it helpful. And I also hope that you've had a chance to get outside in nature today. And I hope you all are well. And until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening today. I love having you join me. Even though I'm technically out here, just me and my dogs, it is exciting and heartwarming to know you are out there too, listening, walking, adding in your thoughts as we go. As always, I hope everyone has had a chance to nurture themselves with a little bit of nature today. Mother Earth always has the best medicine.